Hello and welcome to episode 95 of The Brand Lounge, the place for unfiltered conversations on big topics for small businesses. I'm Tammy Heels, founder of Shadow Cat Creative, where I'm a personal brand and marketing consultant, and I show you service-based businesses how to define and grow their business through their brand. Today, I am joined by Ems Raysell, bullshit-free ethical marketing strategist and host of her podcast, Rowdy Opinionated Ginger. Thank you so much for joining me today, Ems. Hi, it's so nice to be here. I really, really love just like connecting with you online and chatting with you. So this is like a treat for me. <laughs> oh, I absolutely love it. I love our conversations every time we've had them. And I'm such a fan of your podcast as well. So it's... Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> so today, listeners, Ems and I are going to be talking about marketing, but specifically, we're going to be talking about how to be ethical within your marketing. And if you spend any time on social media, which I mean is kind of unavoidable nowadays, whether that's as a consumer or as a small business, you'll probably have come across some um, questionable marketing practices. These are the ones that kind of leave you feeling a bit icky. They feel a bit pushy. And just generally they try and actively try and instill this feeling of urgency and fear. And I mean, this isn't new. But today we're going to be exploring some alternatives so that you can choose how to market your business and do it in a different way and in a more ethical way and realize that that it isn't just about having that FOMO, that fear-based marketing. There are alternatives. So Ems, taking it right the way back to basics, because I love making sure that we're all on the same page when we get started. Could you just talk a little bit about what we mean when we talk about being ethical in marketing and why it's important? So for me, being ethical in marketing just stems from not wanting to use any, like you said, fear, but it goes even further than that. So any marketing that involves shame or guilt or any negative emotion, we try to avoid because we, why would we want to make the people who essentially pay our bills feel like shit? That's that's just the way I want to put it. Why would we want to make them feel like shit? We, we shouldn't unless we're bad people. So trying to avoid those negative emotions and stirring up all of that negativity is really, really important. And avoiding fear, guilt, shame, all of that kind of stuff is really important to our clients because you want them. Everyone has a personal brand, right? And when they're interacting with you, whether it's through a paid ad that they've come across or your social media page or a podcast that they're listening to, they don't want to have a negative feeling every time they're coming across your content. They're going to have a negative association with your brand, essentially. So it's all about marketing from the perspective of how is this impacting my client? How is this impacting my audience? and trying to just make people feel good things when they think about us rather than feeling like absolute dirt. (laughs) Absolutely. And I think like I've talked about it a lot over all of these podcast episodes and kind of anywhere online where your brand and your marketing is all about that connection with your customer and how you make them feel and how you want them to feel. And then it's almost like some people get to that point where they're like, yes, I want my audience to connect with me. Yes, I want them to feel good to be working with me, but I'm still going to push the FOMO. I'm still going to say that there's limited supply and push that fear. And I think a lot of it comes from the fact that it's always been a part of marketing, like impulse buying, the way that supermarkets and shops are laid out to try and encourage those things that you're going to miss out. Like my grocery shop does it all the time. After you hit like go to checkout, I'm done with my carefully planned food shop. And then it's like, you've forgotten these things. And I was like, no, no, I didn't. I was avoiding them. But now they're here. (laughs) 
yeah exactly we just kind of brought that through but in the online space I feel like it's almost like there's a lack of responsibility combined with this focus and push on the like you were saying like the negative side to try and encourage people to buy but how in your experience like what was it that made you choose to focus on the ethical side of marketing and specifically on that positive when it does feel easier to kind of go with the flow so it's kind of a funny story right I basically last year around was it last no year before last year COVID has just (laughs) it's flown by I get mixed up all the time same (laughs) but it was the year before last I, I essentially had a mental breakdown at work I was working at a software company it was a fantastic job with fantastic colleagues and I just didn't have the freedom to be working and doing what I wanted to do So things kind of fell apart for me mentally. I got really, really burnt out. I was doing too much of stuff that I didn't enjoy. And I thought I want to start my own business. And that was just that I need to work for myself. I want to be self-employed. And I had no idea what I was going to do. And I think I got sucked into a few um, essentially fear-based webinars. And I think we all have when we're starting out our business, we get sucked into, oh, how do I make money online? Mm -hmm. And you watch all of these webinars. And I noticed how those uh, webinars and the, the some of the crappy tactics on the landing pages really made me feel. And I really didn't enjoy it. I didn't like it at all. Um, but I was sucked in because I had a problem and I needed a solution. And that's why we get sucked into these things. So I decided that I was going to start a digital marketing agency. (laughs) Didn't go very well. I spent ages on my branding. I went out and had photo shoots. I did my website. I hit the ground running, went and did all of these networking events, which, I mean, you can talk to me about networking. I hate it more than anything so I don't do it anymore um, because I met some not particularly fantastic people and got suckered into a rubbish network of people who were like oh but marketing can't be ethical (laughs) when I started bringing it up so yeah I I decided to start up this agency and then I I was in the marketing world as I'm going to be doing all of these things for you I can run your paid ads I can run your social media what do you need we can work on video together and I tried bringing in clients and it just it didn't feel right to me it didn't feel like what I wanted to do as a kid I always wanted to be like a teacher anyway so being able to help people with the strategy and the using my brain stuff behind the scenes is definitely way more me but it did take me about I think seven months before I just said you know what this isn't working it's not working and it's not for me and I needed to pivot into something that was more me Um, and that came down to teaching and sharing educational content and working with clients on strategy behind the scenes instead of doing the marketing for them you know teach a man to fish all that kind of stuff (laughs) Um, and I was so suckered in by all of these negative marketing experiences when I started my business that I just I had it yeah absolutely had it so I decided I was going to change everything I changed the name because I was going by like a fringe consultancy I wanted to have a consultancy and it to end up being an agency and all of that kind of stuff and it just it didn't feel right to me so I decided to pivot and go in another direction 
best decision I ever made. I think I made that decision in the bathtub, like with a cup of tea. <laughs> That's the best way to make decisions. Like I am here for it. Um, I'm really curious to know, because this is something that I feel like when you're starting a business, there's a lot of fear around starting a business, generally speaking, sweeping generalizations, but there is generally a good sense of fear or that excitement and that nervousness and that I'm trying something new and this is risky and I don't know how this is going to go and I feel like we're already in that like amplified state of feeling uncertain and feeling that certain amount of fear and then to see kind of the oxymoron between people going oh I help you with their I help statements in air quotes Mm -hmm. I really hate I help statements (laughs) me too it's awful and then having that conflicting with oh I help x y and z to do x y and z but you need to buy my stuff by the by 24 hours time when this countdown on my page ticks down to zero otherwise the price is going up by three thousand pounds and I just find it it's so frustrating as a startup so it's interesting to hear that even someone who teaches this ethical side still had that experience at the start that kind of fueled it it's so frustrating and pain points is another thing that I find very frustrating so when it comes to identifying unethical I really went backwards and forwards as to whether it was unethical or unethical unethical I think unethical (laughs) Unethical. thank you unethical marketing practices we're going to talk through kind of some common practices that we see we've touched on a few already but pain points is one that I find very tricky because focusing on a customer's pain point which is effectively identifying an area that is causing them some form of pain or resistance within their business and offering a solution to that, that can still be done in an ethical way, right? Yes, absolutely. So the way that I go through it with my clients and I explain it to them is if they weren't in pain, they wouldn't be looking for a service to fix that. So I don't like calling them pain points because... Ugh, it's just a bit gross. Um, but I, I refer to them as like client difficulties or client obstacles. So we'll identify what their issues are and then positive mindset. How are we going to fix this? Mm. So not focusing on the pain point and making them relive the pain. A lot of these pain point centered marketing tactics are, okay, so talk about this, put yourself in their shoes and really drag up those negative emotions to make them feel that way because it's going to pressure them into wanting a solution quicker and make them click by. And I, I don't think that that's responsible. So I like to go, okay, so Susan, here's your issue. You want to, you know, get from A to B. So that here's how I suggest we do that. We're going to start here. We're going to go through this and then we're going to end up here. And this is the rough time frame and how much it's going to cost you. How does that sound? I use how does that sound and how does that feel a lot of the time as well? Because I feel like it's less pressure free. It's not, are you going to buy? Please click this. It's taking away that negative emotion and turning it into, so you have this issue. Here's how I can solve that for you. Here's what we can do together. And offering a solution and calling it a difficulty or an obstacle rather than a pain point and making it really negative and all about those negative emotions. Um, I, I talk a lot with my clients about something that I like to call emotional mirroring, which is when you're putting a piece of content out, like really think like read it back and really think, how does this feel? And if you get a little bit of a, I'm not sure I like reading this pit in your stomach, that's what your audience is going to get reading it. So don't fucking put it out there. 
yeah. emotional mirroring you feel the same putting that content or you should if you've got a moral compass putting that content out as they're going to get reading it so being really mindful of how you feel and actually a lot of my uh, clients we work through a series of journaling and meditation to come up with certain content ideas and taking a more holistic approach to marketing because I don't want people to get stuck in this mindset of okay I need to be making sales I need to be doing I want them to offer solutions and come from a place of service and really centering with yourself and your feelings helps you be more aware of your audience's feelings and connect with your clients on a deeper level and it builds a lot more trust I think yeah there's so much in that that I absolutely agree with and it took me a long time to realize that sales is offering a solution it's not pushy doesn't have to be Mm -hmm. pushy like you can give them the choice like we always have that choice it's our choice whether we click buy or not but a lot of the time it does feel like you're kind of distracted by the urgency and distracted by the fact that you were failing at what you were doing because you're not choosing to fix this so you should buy because that's obviously the right choice and if you don't then you don't care about your business and I hate that really Mm. hate that whereas the alternative is hey if you like my vibe, if you like the solution that I'm offering, if you can see that this is genuinely going to be something that helps you and your business in the future, move away from where you are now towards this vision that you have, that feels much more comfortable to have a conversation about rather than, yeah, so this is my price. Are you in or not? I don't really care other than knowing that. And I feel like that there is getting more and more um, awareness around the fact that there are alternatives to just pushing on price. And what you said about the icky feeling that you get in the pit of your stomach, that's something that I massively agree with when it comes to your branding as well. And if it's just like, if you feel that your brand is not putting you out there in the way that you want to be seen, then clearly that's going to be passed on to whoever it is that you speak to as well. They're going to have that feeling that something isn't quite right when you know that something isn't quite right. So yeah, it's interesting. And I love the concept of emotional mirroring. I feel like there's such a pressure to go, right, I need to be putting out six pieces of content every week on this channel, this channel, and this channel. I need to be doing live videos. I need to be doing podcasts. I need to be doing interviews. I need to be doing PR. All of this that you get swept up in the content of what am I saying without listening to what you're saying. (laughs) Exactly. And I think that's so important. And I I do a lot of sort of inside work when we talk about branding. It's strange. I like to come up with like an alter ego for a person or a brand with the person that I'm working with. And then we'll come up with like an alter ego for their ideal client. And we talk about conversations between them. So getting over the, this is how I address a pain point. And this is how I talk to my clients because I need to get them to buy. It's okay. So you've got this character and you've got this character and they're in a coffee shop talking about this problem go. And that's how you come up with really solid messaging and really good tone of voice as well. I try and think of them almost as if you're writing a character for a book. And it brings so much creativity into marketing that I really do feel like has been lost. Marketing is a creative industry, first and foremost. But you wouldn't know that if you went on social media a lot of the time, because it's steal my content calendar, steal my content prompts, never think for yourself. And I'm going to charge you thousands for the privilege. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like it's it's very negative. I had this conversation with my friend recently. It's like it's very negative and very aggressive language that we use, like steal this or swipe this. And then when we're celebrating things or 
you know, you can smash your goals. And I'm like, oh my goodness, like I worked hard on those. <laughs> exactly. I worked for that. I don't want to smash it. Please, no. <laughs> right, exactly. And then we hear it all the time. And this is something that I'd love to kind of explore a little bit as well, because if you're in that world and the words that we use and repeat, because you do, you pick up the language and the tonality of who you're around. I don't necessarily believe you're always going to be the sum of the five people that you hang around with, because I have very different people in my world for different aspects but the concept of what you absorb does impact the way that you put your content out into the world because that's how we learn that's literally what education is but it can be that we start learning behaviors and we don't necessarily identify again it comes back to that listening to what we're saying we don't necessarily identify when we are falling into that area of um, bad habits and unethical marketing practices And there's one thing that I'm trying to do is like with the aggressive language, I'm trying not to say that I've smashed my week or I've nailed something or, you know, that really aggressive language. I just want someone to tell me that they feel like they're thriving this week, like something, you know, I flourished on my content this week. It sounds a little bit too the other way, but at the same time, (laughs) it's taking those negative emotions, those negative words that we're used to using and instead inserting positive words because it it immediately flips the way that conversation feels for me. So what would you say in your experience with the clients that you work with, what are some of the ways that they tend to get tripped up and fall into these bad habits or these habits of more unethical practices? So the, the majority of my clients come to me very frustrated because they've been put in like multiple programs and they've been taught all of these things and they don't work. So then they're like, ah, okay, they come across my content. They're like, maybe what I'm doing isn't particularly ethical because I do kind of call it out a lot on my social media. I'm like, well, if you do this, that's not particularly ethical. Maybe do this instead. And that's sort of the way that I try to go around it with my content. I try to navigate their issues and their expected difficulties through the content rather than in person straight away. Normally when someone comes to work with me, they already know that they have an issue, which is, I think, the way that it should be. I hate the concept of a sales funnel, but we all know what we mean when we say the word sales funnel. But if someone can tell that they're being sold to, your marketing isn't good. I'm just going to throw that out there. And people do fall into learning all of these unethical tactics. We've all been there, especially when we start our own businesses. Like I said, we fall into these fear traps and end up getting suckered into these shitty webinars that end up being a 40 minute sales pitch. And (laughs) we've all been there. So it's, it's very easy to fall into. And when we come from a place of fear and imposter syndrome, and can I really do this? And someone's like, well, you can be a millionaire. You just have to do all of these things. It can be easy to just take it on board and you get stuck in a rut and you end up doing what is natural to you because that's what you've been doing for the last few months without thinking, Hey, is this ethical? I don't think any of the people that I work with have gone out of their way to be unethical in their marketing, I think they've just not known any better. And it's, you know, I talk a lot about MLMs and how I think that those are inherently unethical, but people who join MLMs join them from a place of, well, I want to help my family or I want to get out of this crappy situation. They're not joining it thinking, hey, I want to hoodwink a bunch of financially financially vulnerable people into a pyramid scheme and ruin their lives and get them into debt. They're just thinking about the solution to their problem. So I think it's it's important to realize that 
if someone is marketing unethically, they may not realize that they're doing it and cut them a little bit of slack, but just educate them on that and say, hey, I mean, you're doing this in this way. And I don't think that that's, you know, the best thing that you could be doing for the time being. I think if you made these changes, you would feel a lot better about your marketing. When you feel a lot better, things just work and they click into place. I I can't explain it. And it sounds a bit woo woo. But moving from that, like masculine numbers, everything like processes, numbers, analytical thinking into a more balance between the masculine and the feminine with how does this feel? tapping into your emotions, using words like flourish rather than nail and smash. And finding that balance, I think, is really, really important. And people don't realize that they've slipped into, you know, doing something unethical. They don't. And having countdowns and fear of missing out and all of that kind of stuff is gross. But if everyone's doing it, and you're not hiring a professional because maybe you can't afford to, you're just going to do what everyone else is doing because, oh, well, it worked for so-and-so. And and she said that, you know, last month she made 30 grand. Yeah, it's it's really tricky because there's so much, particularly when it comes around money. So let's talk a little bit around some of the unethical practices that seem to be rife at the moment, because I will say that this, I do feel like these practices do tend to go in trends as well. And at the moment, I feel like we're in a bit of a heightened state of everyone is there's a lot of people reconsidering their career choices after they've just gone through the last 18 months, whether that's because they've realized how much they hate their job, whether that's because they've really enjoyed having time at home, whatever the reason is, I think that there's a lot of people reconsidering and with that has come an awful lot of if you buy my three-step process you too can make ten thousand pounds every day and I feel like one of the concepts is the whole monetary thing it's like if you buy x y or z you too can earn the money that I'm earning, which is hundreds of thousands or tens of thousands of pounds per month. I firmly believe that it is absolutely possible for any business owner to earn the amount that they would like to when they find their way of marketing, when they nail their pa- nail, when they <laughs> find their product, when they find their service, all the rest of it. I don't see why any business can't be successful. However, buying someone else's unique in air quote strategy is not necessarily going to mirror the results that they had I mean the way that my business has developed and flourished has has literally been completely different to the way that I ever thought it would do from one week to the next so how can you buy someone else's strategy that they say absolutely will 100% work for you dear random stranger who I have no context about yeah and this this is something that really irritates me because I am a strategist And I work with people on their marketing strategies one-on-one. I have basic things that you can learn. um, And I am coming out with an online course for people who working one-on-one with a strategist isn't reasonable and isn't affordable. So there are basic things that you need to know, but the online course will still work through building your own strategy using the exercises provided. It's not a cut and paste, do this, bish, bash, bosh everything's fine, you're going to be a millionaire. Because I think that that in itself is also completely irresponsible. If someone is calling themselves a strategist and they are not helping you create your own unique strategy, they're not good at their job and you shouldn't give them your money. (laughs) Yes, 
Absolutely. I think it's really difficult because I I work within brand strategy. So similar to you, it's about finding that strategy that works and trying to find that balance between having a framework of good foundational principles and then showing people how they're different in order to make those more their own. And it's the same in design, like every designer within certain No, I would say every designer will have to land certain things. There are certain elements that are non-negotiable that are basic foundational principles, but each designer can do that and execute it in in multiple different ways. And I think that that's the same as when it comes to business and marketing and sales and all the rest of it. The other problematic thing with the money side of things is you don't know if that's true. You don't know how much they're earning each month. You also don't know the quantifiables behind that figure. So even if they are earning £50,000 in a month with this strategy, You don't know how much of that is profit, how much of that is tax, how much of that is sales. You don't know what they've outsourced and what their costs are. So that £50,000 that they could potentially be bringing in, if it's true, could be the overarching figure of how much they've invoiced, but actually they're only getting £10,000 of that in that month. And actually they only pocket about, you know, it could be anywhere between hundreds upwards because you don't know what they're doing with their money. So just because they have that amount of money coming in doesn't mean that it's going to be the right solution. I mean, when I first quit my job, I worked with a sales coach who was wonderful and helped me kind of reframe my approach to sales. But at the same time, I was still looking for that reassurance in other people to help. It's like, well, how do I market now that I'm a full-time entrepreneur? And I hit my first 10K month and it was the most stressful thing because I was not prepared for it. So even if you do go through all of this and then find your way of of getting these sales in whatever way you've decided, whosever strategy you've used, unless you're prepped for how that's going to work within your business after that marketing it's what comes next how does that work afterwards because otherwise your business could just flounder Mm -hmm. so let's have a look what other common ones do we see so another one that I see quite a lot is a limited number of digital products which annoys the crap out of me yeah I don't think that there should be a limited number of anything if that if the thing itself has no limit there's no limit on downloads yeah, we all know that. We're not stupid. You don't only have 50 ebooks available. It's an ebook. Put the price down and give it to more people and be honest about it. I understand having a limit if it is an actual product, obviously, and if it's one-on-one services because there's only so much you can take on at one time. But when it's a digital product saying, "Oh, a limited amount available," is like, "Okay, so you're just pushing because you and the thing is they're not going to keep to that limit." They never do. They're going to say limited amount available and sell it to as many people as possible. They're just saying that to get you to click faster. And I think that's really gross. If someone is just trying to get you to click quicker, they don't they don't care about you. They care about the amount of money they're going to make. And they're not allowing you the time and the freedom and the space to make an informed decision. I do not push for a sale on a call, even if it's a sales call. So when someone applies to work with me, they'll go on my website, they'll go to the plans page, they'll have a look at the plans available where pricing is transparent and there and available for them. They'll click apply to work with me, fill out the video form, however they want to do. So they, they already know what I do, what they're going to get, 
how much it's going to cost. And then we'll hop on a call and I'll just make sure that it's right. Cause I don't want to take the money of someone who maybe isn't the right fit for me. Um, maybe I'm not the right person for them. It's always good to have that initial call and I will never push for an answer on the call. I will say, I'll give you a few days to think about it. Talk to your spouse because it's a big, it's, you know, it's a lot of money to work with a strategist. I try and keep my pricing as fair as possible. And I do think that a lot of people price their services way too high and way too low. But I think that's a conversation for another time because I could go on about it for hours. But you try and keep your pricing fair. But it is still expensive to have, you know, an hour of someone's time every week for a few months and go through and have that, you know, relationship and complete support like whatsapp support throughout the week all day every day all of that kind of stuff it does cost a lot of money and that's something to be well to be taken into to bear in mind anyway uh, <laughs> so it is expensive and they know exactly what they're getting into before we have the call but i'm not going to push for the sale on the call because that doesn't feel right to me giving them the time and the space to make an informed decision is really important. And if you're pushing someone through a landing page and there's, oh, there's only this many available and here's a countdown that every time you refresh refresh the page, it resets anyway because it's not a real countdown. It's just there to pressure you into buying. And I've even had landing pages where the um, yes is grayed out. Uh, no, not grayed out. The yes is where the no would be and the no is where the yes would be just to try and trick you, even if you're trying to cancel into buying an add-on. And that to me is disgusting. If you're taking away the ability to make an informed decision using shady tactics, then that's inherently unethical. And the thing is, people don't add in things. So especially with the yes and no switch over, I see that all the time on landing pages. Like, would you like to buy my add on? And then it says no, but yes is tiny and grayed out. And that's where you expect no to be. So people will click on that and it'll automatically charge an extra $50 to their purchase. And I hate that. And you don't do that thinking, huh, this is a nice thing to do that you know that that's not okay. Like that's where I think the line is. Yeah. Countdowns can be seen as either or by a lot of people, especially if they're uneducated and they don't know what ethical or unethical marketing may look like. So I completely get that. But there are certain things where it's like, you know that this isn't okay, yet you do it anyway because you only care about the money and you don't care about the clients. And I think that that is a really key point is the transparency of it all. And I think that unethical marketing will try and hide things from you it will try to gaslight you if that's the term that you want to use but it will try and make it feel like you're doing something wrong if you don't part with your money whereas what it should be is you're doing something right by choosing to invest in this person to support you that you have spent the time to research you've had the conversation I'm the same as you and the fact that I want whoever it is that decides to hop onto a sales or discovery or whatever you want to call them, that call to find out details is literally at the point where they're like, I have a good indication that this is right for me. I know what I'm going to be getting. I know what I'm going to be investing. I know how it works. I know what my payment options are. I know enough about you and your business to know that you're the right fit for me as far as I can tell. But I have a few questions just to kind of wrap things up that's what they should be that's the stage that they should be at by the time that they hop onto that call with you ideally none of this oh hey I've just met you I'm going to hop on a call and something that I absolutely hate which I think is probably my biggest dislike for an unethical marketing practice is oh you don't have the money for it well, why don't you get a credit card why don't you go into debt to pay for this because if you don't then obviously you don't care about your business enough and I'm like oh Oh, no. That is one of the worst. I hate it. I 
hate it so much, particularly if you're, if you've got to that point where you're like, and I've hit that point before. And I've had these conversations when I've been in that space where I'm like, I am literally, I feel like I'm at rock bottom. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to turn. I know that this is what I do. So I know that there's something wrong and I know what kind of support that I need. I just need the right person to help me with that accountability and everything else. So you're feeling very vulnerable. You you feel like you literally do not know where else to turn. This is your last resort. It really does feel that way. And then you've got someone going, well, this is my price. I know how you feel because I've been there and I've just put it on a credit card. And you're like, that's not an option for me. That shouldn't be an option. If someone cannot afford your services, you should be not encouraging them to go into debt. I despise the concept of handling objections. That is if someone has an objection, listen to them and go, okay, cool. You need to speak to your husband. Fine. Oh, you don't have the money. Okay. Why don't we touch base in a couple of months and see where you're at financially. If this is still something that you want to do. Like I personally do not want to work with people who are in a really vulnerable position because it's, I, my services aren't right for that kind of person. And if you're selling something high ticket, your services are not right for financially vulnerable people. I think it comes down to accessibility. If you're selling something for thousands and thousands of dollars and you're selling it to people just starting out, you've got a problem. Yeah. My services are, you know, a little bit more high ticket. But I'm working with established business owners who've gotten started. They know what they're doing. Their business works, their services work, but they just need help with their messaging and their marketing. And they feel like they could scale it, but they don't want to fall into any unethical traps. I don't want to work with people who feel like they need to get into debt to work with me. I would feel terrible if I learned that that was the case. And I don't understand why that's so normalized in sales calls as well. I despise as well when... That the pricing isn't anywhere and it's I'll book a call to find out. It's like, he just, you know, get on a call so that I can sell you the thing. And then at the end go, and that'll be 10,000 pounds. <laughs> yeah, it's tricky because playing devil's advocate, there are certain, and this is something that I have heard. It's not necessarily something that I agree with, but one of the challenges I've had to that is, well, my services are unique and they're different for every client. And so on that case, could you give an example? Could you say if it was this kind of thing that you're looking for, the pricing might be there? Yeah. So, yeah, from a like pricing transparency point of view, if you have a guideline of how much it starts at, at least go with that. So if your pricing is different depending on the job, that's absolutely fine. But you say, okay, so for this package, pricing starts at 200 for this one pricing starts at 700 and just give them like a so here are some of the ways that I can work and here's what the pricing looks like kind of in give them a bracket if you can just to be transparent not having your pricing anywhere on your website will make me just not work with you and I think that that should be normalized because I don't think that it's okay that people are just being really secretive with their pricing if someone's being secretive with their pricing it's because they are scared of the reaction that they're going to get when they go boom it's this much and they would rather handle that in person so that they can handle objections and do damage control which are things that I don't agree with anyway yeah again it's that it's if you feel that someone is hiding something from you the likelihood is that there's it comes across as an unethical reason as to why and the other one that I really dislike when it comes to pricing and I will never understand why they do it 
is you can pay in full now. And I understand maybe offering a discount for paying full if that's your jam, I guess. Like I can see how that is a positive way to encourage payment in full. What I don't like is then your monthly payment plan afterwards equates to far more than the pay in full price. Because people who are choosing a payment plan are choosing a payment plan because they cannot afford the pay in full for whatever reason, which is none of your business as to why they can't afford it or why they're choosing not to do it. So why are you smacking on 20, 25% interest onto every payment? I don't understand because either you're just trying to get more money from people who are doing it on a payment plan, which is just baffles me, or you're literally exploiting the people who cannot afford to pay in full, but could benefit from your services by charging them a higher rate to pay monthly when they clearly can't afford it to pay in full. So it just, it drives me spare. <laughs> it really I absolutely get that. Yeah, it, it does irritate me as well. I think if you're going to do a payment plan and you want, say you have a service that's like a flat fee and you want to divide it by three and that's your payment plan, but it's like an odd number. I'm really against charm pricing. So the sort of notion that everyone takes the leftmost figure, oh, yeah. that's how they base pricing. So when it ends in a seven, just because psychologically they're more likely to click if it ends in a seven, it's icky to me charge what it's worth and that should be as close to a round number or flat fee as humanly possible yeah so if you divide your service by three and the price ends up coming out at something like 37 or whatever and you don't like that then by all means put it up to okay x amount of payments of 40 i think that tiny little difference for the sake of charm pricing making things easier and going okay then you've got three payments of this makes sense but when you add it up it should not be that much more than the original price um i think there's a difference between okay this is easier you get one payment and it's cheaper that way if you just do one payment, get it all out of the way and done. Um, I think for a business owner as well, it takes away a little bit of the stress if they know that they're paying a little bit, a tiny, tiny, tiny bit more. It's like, okay, so they are committed to working with me. They're not just going to ditch after the first month because we've all had crappy clients who've refused to pay at some point, probably right at the very, very start. Um, <laughs> That's why we have contracts, people. Contracts. Okay. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and sometimes it can be really difficult to enforce these kinds of things like I had a client out in Canada just straight up ghost me um, which was really really crappy but it would have cost me more to recover the funds that she owed me than even if we did have a contract in place I do understand having a payment plan and charging a little bit extra because it is a convenience but if you're charging a huge amount extra like you were saying that 25% more especially on a high ticket item just get in the fucking bin don't do that to people <laughs> I also understand adding a little bit to payment plans if there are additional fees that are incurred. Like I get it from a business point of view. What I don't get is doing it where it literally feels like there is no reason why this should happen other than you're trying to encourage, in air quotes, push people to pay in full for whatever reason that is. And yeah, I mean, personally, I've set up my payment terms so that they work for me as a business owner, but I've always kept in mind how that experience feels for my client as well. Because at the end of the day, it needs to be mutual. That's what sales are. Sales are mutual. It's a mutual exchange. So everything needs to come from that space. But yeah, I mean, there's so many horror stories that you hear about people falling into um, being given things or they're paying for stuff and they don't realize or 
there's just no support as well as another thing another unethical marketing practice and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this one because it's something that I actually tried and I at the time I thought it was a brilliant idea from (laughs) a personal experience from a personal perspective I was like this is going to help me out a huge amount but when I actually thought about it from a customer perspective I was like that's really gross and icky and I don't know how I feel about it now um, and it's not something I do anymore, just to clear, just to clarify, which is <laughs> employing someone else to engage on your social media profiles on your behalf. Mm-hmm. I don't like that at all. So um, I did the opposite. Uh, last year in September, I ran away to the Scottish Highlands and I got married. Um, no guests, just the dog. Magical day. Absolutely loved it. But I wanted to be away for two solid weeks from work. I did not want to look, think about Instagram, any of that. I wanted to leave it behind. I didn't want to touch LinkedIn. I'm pretty sure I got rid of it because I just didn't want to deal with it. Um, (laughs) I didn't want to think about emails. So I hired a virtual assistant while I was away because I don't want someone to message my account and be left in the dark. But the messages that she got, she would respond to with, Hi, my name's Sammy and I'm M's VA. That level of transparency, you have no idea. The client conversations I had after that, I've never heard of someone do that before. That's brilliant. Being really open and honest about who's actually on the other end. Well, I used to be in customer service. And the first thing you would do is, hi, my name is M's. It's so important to be transparent with people. They want to talk to you. Social media is exactly that. It is social. Allow people to know who they're talking to. Don't have people engage on your behalf. I understand like likes and spending time on the algorithm, but you learn over time that that shit is not important. What is important is the content that you put out and the quality of it. The amount of times that you post a week isn't as important as you think it is the commenting on other people's posts. If you're not interested in the content, don't do it. I have all of my clients go through an exercise right at the very start. We call it the bin list and we do it for every aspect of their life and the business. If you go through every task that you do, if it doesn't feel good and if it doesn't serve you in any way or your clients either rethink it. So how can I do this? So if like, for example, you absolutely despise invoicing people. Okay, cool. Hire a VA to do that stuff on your behalf. You can rethink it if it's necessary and needs to be done. But if it doesn't, Marie Kondo that shit, put it away. Don't do it. (laughs) I have the exact same approach when it comes to stuff. And it's like, it doesn't feel good if it doesn't serve you we build a process to work our way around it or you get rid of it like there is no space for it yeah absolutely and we do that for everything so even your following list right if you go through your following list I mean the following to follower ratio isn't super important on social media but there is absolutely no point in following people whose content you don't gel with and you don't appreciate and actually engage with so don't follow people because you think it's the polite thing to do if their content is shit don't follow them don't engage with stuff that you don't like there is nothing I hate more than putting your heart and soul into an educational piece of content and asking a really valuable question and then you just get like a series of fire emojis in the comments it (laughs) drives me absolutely batshit 
just pure, <laughs> no, purely okay. because, yeah, you put your heart and soul into it. You ask an actual question. And the thing is, you know, they're not reading that caption. They're engaging because they think it's going to help them. They don't care about your content. And that upsets me. Um, the only person who does this to me on purpose, because I've spoken about it before. I think I put up a TikTok about it where I was like, ooh, this is gross. Um, the algorithm likes actual relevant wordy comments. So stop with just emojis. I posted that and my <laughs> my friend Sky for the next few things that I posted would just post like bullshit emoji comments to troll me. And oh, it's just, it, it's so common. And the thing is, no one would be able to tell that she was joking. No one, because it's such a normal thing on social media to get those like spam comments. If you have nothing valuable to say, don't say anything at all. And especially don't engage as, or have someone engage as you. I don't think that that's fair because people want to have a conversation with you. That's why they're commenting on your shit. Have the decency to set aside 20 minutes a day just to respond to people. You're not that famous. You don't need someone. (laughs) (laughs) It's really interesting because at the time I was like, this is wonderful. This is the way that I could use a VA to help me to take this task off of my list. Because at the time I was like, right, I think one of the strategies I want to implement and I will caveat by saying this is an extremely short-lived strategy, was scroll through Facebook groups and search for relevant content where I could add value. So the task that I set the VA was one, if there was anyone asking for, at the time I was focusing more on my brand design packages, it's like if there's anyone looking for a brand designer, like here's, here's a post where it kind of summarizes what I do and a link to whatever copy and paste that and then I could continue the conversation or if you find anything that sounds like a relevant conversation around brand design take a copy of the post like the link to the post and send that over so that I can then go through and add advice and input later so it's just trying to like save my time from scrolling on Facebook one I realized that it's because I hate Facebook. So now I don't use it as part of my strategy. (laughs) I've been to that. And two, it just felt weird and I didn't like it and I didn't know why. And I decided just to stop it. And I was like, okay, gave it a go. And that's perfectly fine as well, by the way. Trial and error is fine within marketing. You need to find what works for you. But for me, that was just like, I don't like this. This feels really weird. I don't feel like it's saving me any time. And it just what happens if someone replies and I just I don't like it so I stopped and then like two weeks later in the way that the universe works I had a response to one of my LinkedIn posts because I don't use LinkedIn as much and it's a lot of the time it's just because I don't know what to say in a professional professional context and I put a post on there for the first time in ages and there was someone that I actually had met through networking who I quite I wouldn't say admired but I respected and they had taken the time to comment on my post and that really gave me like all the warm fuzzies I was like oh my goodness this content obviously connects maybe LinkedIn really is the platform that I can start working on and then two days later I was chatting with a VA friend of mine and she was like oh yeah I saw your post because I respond from so and so and I was like oh that's horrible so all of this feeling that I'd had that someone that I respected had recognized and commented on a post a piece of content was actually from someone completely different and I was just like oh that feels so it was such a 
it felt like a bit of a gut punch and I was like right okay yeah never doing that again <laughs> mm-hmm. and I completely understand you know if, if you're scaling your business say you've gotten to the point where you're you can take a step back you've done the work you've got the products you've got the services and you can take a step back and work you know your four-day week and do all of that kind of stuff that everyone's like oh every entrepreneur should want this if you want to hire a team to handle those initial conversations and to sort through through your leads and do follow up and all of that kind of stuff do it if that's what you need to do absolutely but do not have them pretend to be someone else i have so much respect if someone goes oh hi you know my name is jenny and i'm on so and so's team and you know i'm getting back to you because you commented this i would really like to invite you on a call or maybe here are some resources that we think would really benefit you if you have any questions let us know I have so much more respect for that person because they feel confident enough in themselves that they can have people representing them if you need to grow out a team do it but be transparent about it don't pretend that they are you because it is heart-wrenching when someone that you really admire I've had multiple conversations with entrepreneurs in the states who I admire beyond anything to the point where I have their books on my bookshelf and if I found out that those conversations I had with them were actually just with you know some kind of assistant or something like that I think I'd be a bit heartbroken because we actually had a nice chat thankfully I know that that's not the case and I did actually have conversations with those people but it would be gut-wrenching and it's because you look up to them and then you're like oh okay so you don't even respond to your own messages cool I think it again it all comes back around to that transparency and it all comes back around to that feeling it's like how like you were saying at the beginning it's that emotional mirroring it's like how would you feel if you were on the receiving end of this and if it feels gross or weird or you wouldn't like it done to you do one to others then you know (laughs) maybe it's a time maybe it is time but I also wanted to share that story just to show that like you can slip into these things without even realizing you know what I'm gonna give you a horror story now because we've all bloody been there Um, So last year, it was actually pretty much exactly a year ago, I was in the process of trying to find that virtual assistant for while I was away getting married because I knew I didn't want to touch things. And I went to uh, some networking events and I met this lady who ran a branch of like a virtual assistant agency. And I was like, okay, cool. We could potentially work together. I know what you do. I need a VA. I trust you. So we'll hire someone through your agency. Um, She paired me up with this lady who was a lovely person, but I said, right, here's a list of things to do uh, just to get a feel for working together before I disappeared for two weeks and left my business in the arms of this potentially not as capable as I would have hoped person. Like you always want to trial before you disappear for a couple of weeks and leave your business in someone else's. (laughs) Yeah. So um, I worked with this lady uh, for uh, half a day, I think, going through my business and what I do and giving her just like a very clear list of here's what I need you to do. Um, It was basically just like admin maintenance and here's my account. And if anyone like because I wanted to see how she would interact on my social media with people. One of the things that I wanted her to do was just keep an eye out for anyone who I could have a relationship with who like 
said that they needed help if we were putting out an educational piece of content has someone reached out with more questions or like needing advice because that's someone I can go well you know if you need a hand maybe we can book in a call and talk about our options for working together that kind of thing she took that as I want you to do all of my lead generation did not listen to what I said Um, it was a Sunday evening I was sat on this very couch I was under a nice fluffy blanket. I was watching a movie with my husband after a fantastic, well, he wasn't my husband at the time, but after a really lovely dinner, we were just having a nice chill family night and my phone was face up on the arm of the sofa and it just starts lighting up. I don't have any sound on my phone usually, but it was just persistently lighting up and I was like, fuck is going on? I haven't posted anything in days. And I'm getting message after message after message on Instagram and my heart sank. I had left bearing in mind she was supposed to do the work on Thursday anyway I didn't hear anything I assumed she'd get to it the next week and we could talk about things on the Monday we had a call booked in um, but she wanted to use her initiative and start making connections for me so she wrote the most grammatically incorrect and emoji filled spam message I have ever seen in my life and she sent it to over a hundred people on Instagram from my account. There's me going, I'm an ethical marketing strategist. And this bullshit, hey, Han, love your content. Like just bullshit message gets whizzed out to their inbox. I had so many people go, that's not very ethical of you. Or if you actually looked at my content, you would know that I'm not your ideal client in any way, shape or form. I spent about three and a half hours on a Sunday evening undoing what she had done. Luckily, I didn't get charged. (laughs) I was like, I am not paying for this because I spent more time undoing than you spent actually doing the damn thing. And this is not what I asked for and is also not okay. Wasn't a good experience. 10 out of 10 would not recommend. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. That sounds cool. It was heart-wrenching. And so when it comes to hiring someone on your team, having those expectations, and thankfully I did find the virtual assistant who I worked with last year and she was amazing. And she was just, hi, my name's Sammy. I'm going to be handling Ems's account because she's off getting hitched. (laughs) Perfect. Right tone of voice, right brand vibe, right language. Exactly. Yeah. She was just like this. And everyone was like, oh, hi, Sammy. Lovely to meet you. Actually, I have a few questions. um, And do you have a link so that I can book in a call for when she's back? Perfect. Chef's kiss. 15 out of 10. (laughs) (laughs) I like the fact that the shitty one got 10 out of 10, but sure. like (laughs) Oh no, 10 out of 10 would not recommend. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. And yeah, I think Wow, expanding a team is a whole other conversation that I'm mm-hmm. actually recording later this week with someone. So that would be interesting. Spooky. Um, yeah, it's funny how often these um, episodes seem to come up just when I need them. I feel like this podcast is just my own path, like cathartic for me, let alone anyone else. So there we go. Monetizing some therapy, just putting it out there for other people to. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, if it helps me, it's going to help someone else. That's why we share our content, isn't it? <laughs> exactly yep (laughs) um awesome so I think let's wrap it up there because if anyone wants to know any more around ethical practices what good ethical marketing looks like what bad marketing could look like they can always come and find all of your glorious feeds and educational side so let's wrap it up with one last question which is from everything that we've discussed today What would be the one key piece of advice that you'd recommend the listeners could take action on after listening to this episode? Be mindful 
And I know that's really vague. (laughs) It's not intended to be vague, but just be mindful of the content that you're putting out. Don't the spaghetti at the wall method doesn't work for anyone. Everyone has a strategy, whether you think you do or not, it just might be a bad one. Be mindful of what you're posting and when. If it doesn't feel good, don't do it. I think I need just like multiple t-shirts with all of those little things like written on for people to purchase. But that's the gist of it. If it doesn't feel good, don't do it. Just be more mindful about what you're putting out there. If you can teach someone something, then do, but do it well. Put quality above quantity always. Those are sort of the hallmark things. If you're going to take anything from this podcast, just write those down, rewind a little bit, write those down, put them on your wall. I promise it'll save you a lot of heartache in the future. Absolutely. I think that's brilliant advice. I think, uh, yeah, good principles for anyone to be absorbing into their business, both marketing, branding, sales, all of it. So Mm. thank you so, so much for joining me today and, and sharing your wonderful knowledge. Um, where can the listeners find more of you online? So you can listen to my podcast if you fancy listening to a very, very opinionated person natter on about various things that she finds ethical and unethical. Um, if you head to your podcast thing of choice and type in rowdy opinionated ginger you should find me there uh you can also if you want to find me on linkedin i don't use it very much but i'm just ems ray searle i'm sure you'll be able to find me but my primary platform is instagram at ems ray searle for the time being i'm going to be starting up my youtube channel at some point but it's it's taken a little bit of a break but i want to get back into video content because i feel like i shine when you can actually see the ginger and not just listen to someone shouting and getting upset (laughs) (laughs) that transparency again isn't it (laughs) yep (laughs) amazing and so listeners all of the links as always will be in the show notes so you can go and find the podcast find the youtube channel and just keep up to date through instagram and linkedin thank you it's been an absolute delight and listeners be sure to come back on thursday when ems will be sharing her business journey so far in her brand story episode and until then i would love to know how this has made you feel about your marketing is there is there some ick coming through or are you just feeling extremely virtuous the fact that your marketing is completely ethical and willing to share what your secrets are then come on over to our conversations in the community on instagram as always all the links are in the show notes and i will see you in the brand lounge